Oh. Turnians are great. They're awesome. They're <laughs> wonderful. Oh, we have a local who is like, the baby paladins are bad. And I'm like, the fucking garbage hobbits are insane. You've got to stop. Garbage hobbits? Garbage hobbits? <laughs> they are incredible. I don't know why more people aren't excited about Garbage Hobbits. There's Everyone in the Menoth groups is like, oh, I'm not going to buy any of the initiates at the wall. And I'm like, you guys have to stop hating on the Garbage Hobbits. First of all, they're just trying to make their way to Mordor. And second of all, they are nuts. Like, when I read that entire CID package, I was like, 10 point Doom Rivers? Okay, I've been anticipating this for a while. Clockatrice? Oh, that's got some really cool tools and some tech. What the fuck are these that are way too good? And then they're like, we made them better. They were like, oh, give me more things. And I was like, great they made them better again and everyone still is just like i don't want to take them <laughs> anyway they're nuts they're crazy my friend joe thinks they're crazy so at least someone agrees with you yeah no like your friend joe has got this shit figured out at least in this respect because they're they're just dumb and they give them practice maneuvers i was like okay well now you don't even have to be good at this game to play these guys they're just dumb and then they were like we gave them shield guard too <laughs> This, this is uh, what you want? This is really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I think Harbinger can just beat Sloan now. You like, heard it here first. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. Like, if you can play Harbi into Sloan, what the fuck is wrong with your pairing anymore? I, like, I, I'm, I can't drop a Syria into Menoth anymore. Right. We are up and running on everything. So we're good to go. Streaming, streaming, streaming. Checking out no comments. Everything's good. All right, guys. Welcome to the new episode of Dawn of the Harbinger. We had a pre-chatter that we always do because we're always weird like that. It's mostly uh, talking about War Machine. Sorry. Yeah. We're talking about War Machine or whatever fancies our boat. Um, if you all need to, go ahead and fix your strains and wounds and give me some... Uh, force die roll so I can figure out what I'm going to abuse you with. I mean, uh, use you with the gand. <laughs> Mel, we're all going dark side today. It's because Gil hasn't rolled. Dark, dark, dark. Uh, give me a dark. Yeah, we're all dark. <laughs> that, that kind of makes sense, actually. Yeah, like I'm not, not even upset. I just think. No. Fourth roll for the day okay. was. At least we didn't give him eight. Four. That's true. That, that is true. Force die. Darks? I thought there were only double lights. They're double dark. They're double dark. I thought the die had more um, darks than lights because the dark side was easier, but the doubles were double lights because the light side was more powerful. I have to look at my dice. I have no clue where I set them down. Let's after. just roll a billion force dice and find out. <laughs> Give me one second. Well, don't roll them. <laughs> yeah, I don't see yep. double darks. Nope. No double darks. See? All right. Science. No, it's a narrative. I want to roll a billion dice. Roll a billion. Just have dice. seven intellect. That's what I do. <laughs> so um, everything is a jump stat, apparently. Max, did your friend uh, see that I loaded up the last episode? Yes, yes, he had seen that. Okay. That way they can have it. Where's my cheat sheet? Where's this cheat sheet? Okay. 
got that uploaded. All right, so who would like to, since our last episode was at War Machine Weekend with the dice that sound like hell exploding when we rolled them, um, would anybody like to refresh? Um, everybody, what happened on the last episode? Nobody? I think this goes down to Jackie, though. Because oh, no. yeah, I'm so rehearsed. <laughs> Jackie needs to be the was, one that does it. I was too many characters. Um, yeah, you were three right. last session. Yes, technically. yeah. Two and a half. Two and a half. So, sorry, I exited my RPG uh, the dice roller. I'm just opening that back up here. Um, I don't remember the beginning pretenses. Yeah, we're oh trying gosh, to figure that, out. That, that was that felt like a really long session. Looking back on it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, trying to find out who the uh, insider was. was. Yes. So we had a strong suspicion that A Seven was somehow able to possibly load his mind into a different uh, droid. Or somehow was disguised in our base because clearly there was an inside job going on. The uh, the Sith had too much knowledge of our rebel base, uh, so we had to gather all of the droids and interrogate them. Uh, there was also some moral conflicts with that because it's much easier to turn off a bunch of droids, but that's not necessarily the right course of action. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, I think is still up for debate. Um, Gilbot and Gareth were specifically held with that task, while Gond and Mel separately meditated to get over their uh, their argument they had previously had. Uh, everything was going pretty comical and fun when we discovered that one of the droids, in fact, was uh, an insider, possibly A7, we're not sure at the time. Uh, and he was able to open up our bay doors and allow a couple unfriendly Sith guys just stroll on in. And they did. They strolled hard. Uh, the first Sith person that we saw was, quite shockingly, the perished, or thought to have perished, Frisbids, which was our tiny hero from the beginning, possibly our episode one campaign, I guess you could say. Uh, Frisbiz was full of vengeance. And she was very hurt to be left behind by her comrades. Uh, she disabilitated, debilitated uh, Gilbots and also destroyed her offspring. She nearly killed Mel, uh, was relatively unaware of Gareth. He was very good at hiding from her. Um, and before the big showdown between those guys kind of went on, we saw another previously encountered character, which would have been what remains of Turk. He's missing an arm and part of his shoulder. He is not looking so hot nowadays. Uh, he sends her back, and A7 is there as well, but he's kind of hiding up in the shadows there. And they leave after, honestly, just utterly demolishing our hangar bay, destroyed practically all of our ships. Uh, the god almost blew up. We prevented that from occurring as well. <laughs> Just barely. Prevented gun, the gun from eating a hand grenade. Yeah, our, 
our nihilistic suicidal gone we got going on right now. It's some time <laughs> to talk right now. I'm in a rough session. Well, like Tim, tell us why this that session was very rough for you. Uh, well, Mel, Mel felt a little bit um, angry uh, and upset and uh, maybe a little bit like personally full of failure uh, for both having failed to defeat Turk and also having felt like she abandoned Frisbiz and then to encounter Frizz again and be sort of forced to acknowledge the, the, the pain that she'd inflicted despite doing everything in her power not to, being kind of held to task for those things was uh that was all pretty devastating and then also feeling like she was completely powerless in that moment uh she was neither able to thwart the technological attack in the form of a7's infiltration nor able to stand her ground as a jedi against the oncoming sith um she was filled with a lot of hopelessness um yeah yeah and watching um kind of a you know gill boy a character who she's kind of aided in the living transformation of and kind of given voice to and sort of allowed to be a being in the same way that she herself had hoped someone would help her allow to be a being, um, be literally destroyed in front of her. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty emotionally devastating. And then getting on this kind of like moralistic high horse with Gand about like the importance of treating droids like beings and, you know, kind of like her interpretation of the Jedi Code's respect for all life, treating droids as life, which is not necessarily a canonical opinion, but it's certainly one that I think Mel holds in high regard. And then to, you know, immediately see the consequences of maybe not acting harshly or cruelly enough in a context, kind of the, the failings of the rebellion. Um, meanwhile, all while being powerfully aware that out there there is a near world destroying city ship uh, floating about that they have done nothing to to stop. Well, I what I did think was interesting was your facial expression whenever Jackie put her hood up and started speaking, and I did the description because if you go back and watch the video, it was pretty <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, Dan uh, and Max, you're 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 you were like. Fuck this. <laughs> so, I mean, it, he's like, Who's this? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> this hit Gand hard, too, but I want to get into the role playing before I start talking about what Gand is feeling right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, so they left, um, and pretty much Gareth has ran. You're still standing right there. And Gilbot has left holding the pieces of Gilboy. That sounds correct. Yeah, something like that. Um, so Gareth is nowhere to be seen. Gand and Mel are still standing around the ships. And Gilboy or Gilbot is walking away with the parts of Gilboy. I can't remember what you were what you said. Oh my. Oh yeah, oh my. <laughs> And we did have a lot of comments of people going, droids are people too, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Easterman also said that too. He was like, droids are people too. And was really happy about it all. So it was kind of funny. So that came off pretty good. Um, just so everybody know, we are tonight is going to be a, a light session. 
because uh, we are setting up and getting things done, just so everybody knows. Um, a lot of story building, a lot of story arcing, uh, and to see where the players are going to go from here. Um, and we're going to bring it exactly where we left off. No time has passed. Nothing's happened. You're on that, I guess, say tarmac, as you want to call it, or landing pad. And they have just disappeared out of the hangar bay. So, Gand and Mel, you're standing next to each other. Gilbot, you're walking off going, oh my, Gareth, where did you go? Well, Gareth, where did you go? <clears throat> Gareth doesn't know that they're gone and this is, like, like, kind of settled. He's still running to, like, get to the the operation room where the droid was opening the hangar bay and sending shifts, ships off and stuff like that. So he's still in go mode. He's He's still, like in action like stuff is happening i need to get get this done let's let's you know let's finish let's let's try to do something that doesn't involve getting killed by a sith lord and in, maybe involves handling a droid which is much more likely something he can handle <laughs> okay so basically yeah i'm i'm heading up to the, like operation room in the hangar bay where uh there might be a a droid that's still doing naughty things Okay, so you're headed up to the droid room. Um, Jackie, where is Gilbot going? Oh, man. Oh. You know, I'm not sure if Gilbot entirely knows where Gilbot is going. Probably to immediately find Sarge. He tends to be the answers to most of her questions. Okay. And this is a pretty tough moment for her. Okay. Uh, you two on the tarmac, what are your plans? Gan falls to his knees, kind of mumbling, why? Um, Mel takes a minute to collect herself. It's a long moment. Uh, and she <clears throat> puts a hand sort of gently and reassuringly on Gan's shoulder and says, it's not ours to ask, it's ours to stand to the challenge. But we need to go. They should have killed us right there. They had us dead to rights. Why let us live? Why? I don't. I don't know. Um, perhaps hubris. Perhaps a desire to have an adversary powerful enough to make their conquest feel more meaningful um, maybe simply to feel our fear and our shame and to let it feed their dark powers perhaps to do worse to us later maybe they're afraid maybe their power isn't as strong as, as they think it is and standing here and battling against us there's a risk to them and they don't want to present themselves to that I don't know, and I can't know, but we can't stay here. No, we can't. I don't know where we're going next, but we can't stay here. You're right. Just gotta load everything up and run. The fleet has given us coordinates. Uh, there's a new location, at least a staging point. Um, I need you, you to help me get a ship. Like that's compromised. As the came out of Sarge's head, anything we do 
is compromised because as, they were here. This isn't a staging point that was on the computer system. As far as I know, this is a staging point that came from one of the rebel commanders. Uh, it's been relayed since we got them off the network. I think at least going there and meeting up with everyone is a smart choice right now. Okay. Gareth. Gareth, as you're walking off and hit through the door, you hear this voice yell, yell your name. It's in his comms, by the way. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll just say what, as I'm continuing to, like, very quickly Stand move down. We're, to... we're loading up and getting out of here. Are we sure we should want to do that when there's still a droid up controlling the hangar bay? They've left. All of them? All of them. Gareth kind of pauses for a moment and is... He's he's a bit paranoid as to whether or not, you know, we're we're fully aware of whether or not everything is gone. And it's just if that this is even like a moment of calm or should be, but he'll uh, he'll. This is not a moment of calm, Gareth. This is a moment of running. Gareth gets on board with that idea. He's like, <laughs> if we're leaving, sure, this okay, is a yeah. Gareth is okay with retreating. <laughs> he'll he'll still radio back again and be like, "I'm on the way." We we've got to get Gilbot too. Okay, Gilbot, you start walking off. Where do you go? I'm going to assume that Sarge would be in the uh, the main auditorium in which we had all of our meetings. That's where he usually arranged for fleets and things of that nature to move anyway. So I imagine he took refuge there. Okay. Uh, you head up there. You notice that the door to the conference area that we're calling it uh, has been pretty much ripped off. Wow. From the outside going in or is yes. the door ripped from the inside? No, you can tell it was ripped off from this side. Oh, my. Um Gilbot cautiously enters the room and scans the area. Uh, you scan the area. You see two bodies on top of the large conference-style table that you have. <sighs> Gilbot runs over to see, examine what those corpses are. Uh, you look over, and you see Lottie's mangled form holding Sarge's hand, and Sarge is just barely breathing. Oh, God. Um, Gilbot immediately calms over to Malikia. Hello. I need immediate medical assistance. Lol, uh, Sarge is gravely ill. <clears throat> Lottie is dead. Mel's a little bit floored by that information, but she rushes over as calmly as she can hold. Okay. A mail's going? Man's gonna find a ship that hasn't been compromised. Okay. If we're retreating, we need to we need some kind of transport. Okay. Uh Gareth. I think Gareth's <laughs> gonna also help 
clear the ships and make sure none of them are compromised. Okay. Uh, while y'all are doing that, Mel, you run up there. Um, y'all notice the people down in the hangar area. You see a bunch of other people like the rest of your crew or, you know, <clears throat> compadres are all now getting all together and are like looking for guidance. Like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? All right. You guys, we need to search one. We need to search these ships and see which one is flyable. We need to then clear that ship. Make sure that everything that could be a tracking device is not on that ship. We need to make sure there are no hidden droids in compartments. We need to make sure that that ship is 100% clean and then we need to load whatever we can onto it. Get to it now. They, you see everybody starts moving around and getting things ready and doing exactly what you tell them to do. Uh, Mel and Gil, you walk up and you are there. Mel, you see Lottie has pretty much been sliced in half from hip to shoulder, diagonally. Definitely a saber. Um, you can tell that Sarge, while you're here and he may be alive, he's not going to be for very long. All right. Well, Mel pulls out her, her medical kit and she tries to perform sort of emergency life stabilizing procedures, uh, just focusing on anything lethal. In the next few moments, you know, okay. she's not she's not bandaging. She's checking for like internal bleeding. It's going to cause it you, uh, you you sit there and you pull out your device to start scanning him. He slaps it away from you. He says, "I'm dying. I'm going to be dead." Of course, he's all in a raspy, hard voice that's really hard for him to talk. He's like, "Mel, it's time for you to take charge. You need to take charge of these people." Get them where they need to be. Destroy that motherfucker. And take his head off as quickly as you can. I'm... I, we need you. I'm not a leader. I don't know what... He, like, reaches down and tries to fumble with something in, like, one of his pockets. After a little bit of time, he reaches out and he pulls out this data disc. And he's like, here, this is where you should go. Tell Gand to kill that motherfucker more than anything else. I'm sorry, Sarge, we should have done better by you. And he fades. Mel takes the disc. Uh, she quickly goes through his personal effects to make sure there's not something urgent she should take. And then she closes his eyes and folds his arms, turns to Gilbot and says, I I'm sorry, Gil, we have to go. Sarge isn't coming with us. I will exit in two minutes. And Gilbot picks up Sarge's body and just holds it in her her large torso 
Okay. Mel takes a step back. She's started to cry a little bit, just tears running sort of stoically down her cheeks. She pulls herself together a little bit and um, marches standing as straight and as firm in posture as she can uh, back toward the hangar bay. She radios over to Gand and says, I have privately held coordinates. Um, have everyone head to the rally point. Once we're there, we'll dispense coordinates to travel to another location. Check the ships that we're trying to fly on for any kind of transponders. We're, we're already doing that, Mel. Good. Mel, you're up at the very... The troops we have already on that. <clears throat> you're like <clears throat> walking down and you're crossing one of the platforms and you can see everybody is milling about trying to do their things. There's like, there are some people that are dead, but nothing near to any of what's going on. I mean, it looks like the entire force is still here. Minus you, the few dead that you had uh, scattered about the place. Um, and you see a group of people off to the right that have stopped moving and are starting to talk to each other. All right, Mel marches right over to that group. Um, she kind of tries you, you to... Get, you get about halfway off the platform, and you hear one yell up, Where's Sarge? Um, Mel's going to invert the common device in her communicator so it broadcasts her speech rather than simply relays it to someone else on the same channel. Uh, and she's going to speak in a volume that people can hear across the space. Say, um, Turkin A7 killed Sarge. They killed Body. We, Everybody stops moving. We can't let this rebellion die with them. Sarge gave me coordinates to a new staging area. We'll be traveling there. We'll be getting together and we'll be, we'll be holding what, what they held most dear as our primary goal in this rebellion. That's that's hope that we can take this back, and that we can do something different. We've always known that our enemies were terrible and that they were capable of taking from us the things we cared about the most and that we held most dear to us. They did this today, and we will not let them do so without suffering for it. I need everybody to do a perception roll. paying a lot of attention, so I assume I'm going to fail this. Uh, every time we say perception, I think, yes, cunning. Uh, standard difficulty? Uh, actually, one higher difficulty. So three purple? Uh, <laughs> no. Gand is paying attention, but got threat. Much like Garrett. Yep. Oddly enough, the same proportion. <laughs> Gareth and Gand. Gand, you realize this way before him, and it catches you off guard as you see new people walking in between the crowds. Robed individuals walking through the crowd. Mel doesn't notice this, so she finishes her speech, and then she says... Wait Get a second. Okay. Everyone halt. 
Gareth, probably not people? knowing what this is, pulls and points his blaster. <laughs> Gareth, gun down. He's got his blaster still up. Gun down. <laughs> He's... You also see this one. Everybody kind of freezes and people are starting to take notice of these robed individuals wearing green. Pretty much forest type green. Not camouflage, but bright type forest green robes. And all of a sudden, you see one of them. They've got their head down. You can't tell who it is. One of them raises his head up, pulls the hood back, and... You recognize a pilot's face. You haven't seen him since the battle, because he's been presumed dead. And you recognize, I think we called him Chad last oh, time. Oh, it's Chad. <laughs> I knew it was Chad. Uh, and he looks up, and he's like, We're late. I'm sorry. You see all the other robed figures kind of stand and they pull back their hoods and you see all varying different types of races. Um, Chad looks up at Mel. Mel, we're late. We thought we would make it enough time and we are not. Well, you're here now and that's what matters. I was just telling everyone we need to find a new staging area, a new place to a new place to stage this rebellion from and we're going to have to do it with some new leadership. I I hope that I'm up to the task of helping guide people to this new location and from there we can make decisions as how best to go forward. I, we have to stop Turk and we have to defeat the specter that was once one of our own. Um, A7's out there and we'll have to take more intense security protocols to protect our computers she, she stops herself from going into a more technical explanation but right now we need to, we need to make our way um, do you have serviceable ships? well we do but you're not going with them she kind of like you immediately see her kind of firm back straight speaking stance where she's trying to sort of project and communicate strength to the whole group sort of fade into a bit of a cat-like almost not quite battle ready stance and she says why uh you say that and he kind of looks over to his right hand side and you notice this female character um a twi'lek um very elaborate um liku and she's got very weird patterns on it but a very dark green complexion um, my name is Shayla, and we are Knights of Unbar, and you are to come in with us because our master has summoned you. Any of that mean anything to Mel? <laughs> um, She's pretty well studied, but that might... Let's see. Roll for it. Um, lore, uh... Jedi. Mythology. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, let's see what I got there. 
uh, some of these dice and some of these dice. Uh, difficulty? Uh, standard. Okay. Oh, yeah. She read all about them. Uh, Ujbanar was one of the original founding Jedis. Um, presumed to have died a long time ago. Um, and he is one of the few Jedis that have walked both sides of the Force. Uh, in case you want to know, it's O-O-D space B-N-A-R. Okay. Um... You have been summoned, so they will be going without you. Very well. Uh, I will answer this call, um, for I suspect the need is great to be summoned by such a powerful organization, and I hope to find allies in our cause. Um, in the meantime, she takes the disc that Sarge gave her, and she hands it to Gand, and says, um, make sure that our rebellion survives until I'm ready to return and help. You you hand that over and all of a sudden you see all these robed individuals turn, face the opposite direction and light up sabers and leap through the air. Roughly about 70 of them towards the exit. Chad looks back at you, um, Gandon says, here's how you can get a hold of us when we're ready. We're taking her off. She needs to study. Gandon not. And they all kind of form and line up and get into like military style formation and walk away. Mel follows at this point. End. All right. Enough Take. of that. Get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Chad looks at you as he's about to walk off. He's like, get everyone ready. It's time. And not. In response, while still gesturing at people with his hands to be like loading things up. <laughs> um, you do that. Um, and he looks back, puts his hood up, and says, May the Force be with you. And leaps away. And takes a very sounding leap, much further than you've ever seen a Jedi leap before, or anybody's ever even heard of. Covering multiple yards. Gand waits, or, uh, Chad waits and looks over at, uh, Looks down towards you, uh, Mel, and Shayla is like, we have much to talk. Let's go. Mel follows. Right. You see roughly about, like I said, roughly about 70 type Jedi? Or saber-wielding force users walk out, oh, this, walk out and uh, disappear outside of the um, 
hangar bay. Um, if you're doing this, how long are you going to search? Until we have enough clear ships for everyone to get on one. We aren't leaving anyone behind. Okay. What do you plan on doing with the gear? Loading up whatever we can fit on a ship with people. Okay. <laughs> It's we're, we're taking whatever we can. Okay. I say we should destroy anything we can't take. Gareth, you get your guys and you rig that. Let's do it. All right. Take it's going to take you quite a few hours to do this. Oh, I, I figured as much. <laughs> Um, sorry, got itch. Um, after about, I'd say about, yeah, it's going to take you about two to three hours, uh, to find ships and then probably about another two or three hours to load up said ships. Um, what do you, are you going to leave anything, not leave anything? We're blowing up whatever we're not leaving, whatever okay. we can't take. And I assigned Gareth and his crew that job. Okay. Yeah. So I assume we load up as much data as and stuff as we can, like take as much information with us too. Mm -hmm. And then just as many, you know, guns, ammunition we can carry, food. <sighs> okay. Um, Gil, what do you plan on doing? Gilbot was uh, mourning the loss of uh, Sarge and Lottie. Uh, she has been filled with desire to take mementos of these people's lives before she disposes of their bodies. So she searches Sarge's arms for anything that she could take with her. Okay. Anything of interest? No, I mean, there's like a medallion, you know, something that might be what you consider, you know, a mating type ring or whatever. She takes the ring. Um, Lottie, she does the same. She knows that Lottie's culture would have a lot to do with their history. Mm -hmm. um, so she tries to search for anything that seems like it's of her family's lineage. So maybe she could possibly give it back to one of them someday. Uh, you don't see anything. All right. No family um, tie stuff. Nothing. She kind of figured so much. She picks up both the body of Sarge and fumbles to pick up the two halves of Lottie uh, and carries them both. She's very strong and she's very large. She can do this with ease. And she decides to take them both and put them back in Sarge's room on his bed because that's where they love to be. So she does that for them. Okay. After such, she would simply just tuck them in. Um, she's keeping the parts of Gilbot or Gilboy for a little bit. She doesn't know what to do with any of this. <laughs> uh, she, she decides to head to the main area. She can hear a lot of ruckus and she needs to figure out if it's worth it to be useful right now. Okay. 
Yobot. When, when Gan see because Gan is air traffic control right now in that uh, main hangar area, tarmac. When he sees Gilbot, he simply says, "Get on a ship. Stay there. We we we've got everything under control. You can mourn." Gilbot does not say hello. She walks on the ship. Gan, Gan just keeps directing traffic and making sure that everyone is loading up and being as efficient as possible. Okay. Um, it does take, like I said, it does take you quite a while to get it done, roughly about five or so hours to get everything ready and sorted. Um, and at that time, um, there is a lot of people that are starting to doubt what's going on. A lot of people are worried. Uh, a lot of people are thinking about just not going with you. I'm gonna may I'm going to negotiate with them. <laughs> negotiate with the mob. How many? How many purple die? Um, one more above standard because morale. Um, <laughs> because of the fact Gand is a Gand, he's not so good at this. Yes, oh. you uh, you don't seem to see anybody kind of paying attention to you that much right now. At this point, Gand looks around, and Gand looks for a ship that he can easily get on top of. Okay, because he's he's not tall like Mel. Uh, or even possibly Garrett. He's, he's tall for a Gand, but Gander, short. So he gets up on top of a ship. Okay. Hey, you apes! <laughs> and he looks around. You have been listening to me all day. You have been loading up these ships. We can't give up now. Sarge and Lottie gave their lives for something that we believe in. Something that this one believes in. The Sith can't be allowed to run this galaxy. It doesn't matter if you're human, Gand, droid, or any of the other races. The Sith cannot be allowed to run this galaxy. I don't care if we agree on who should be allowed to run. They can't. Turk has played us for the last time. We know he's out there. He's been playing us like a... Like one of those... Myth instruments... Since the beginning. We are going... Now that we know he has... We can take it to him. He's going to play our game now. Don't care if you believe in me. I don't care if you agree with me about anything after they're dead. But how are we going to do this? They're the Sith, and we're just humans that can shoot 
and blow up things if our ships work. Yes. <laughs> but we aren't the only group in the past who is defeated. In the past, the Sith have always been defeated by inferior numbers, but in but superior ingenuity. If we look at the legends <laughs> we have been taught since we were small, the time of the old Republic, the time of the less old but still old Republic, <laughs> the time of the Empire, the Empire was defeated by little fuzzy things and rocks. We're better off than those little fuzzy things. We have blasters that work. We have grenades. We should be able to take out some red fuckers. We have the we have a superior intelligence net that I have been working on that hasn't been infiltrated by A7. We have superior logistics capability. We have a black market that we have access to. All of those things came about without SAR without uh, Turk or A7. So they don't have access to them. At one time, I would have taken money just to be away from this. And I'm pretty sure that's what Sarge is banking on. That any of us, not Sarge, Turk, sorry. <laughs> John the player got confused there for a second. Gand would not have gotten confused. It's okay. I'm pretty sure that Turk is banking on any of us non-Force users being willing to take money to not be part of this. Let's prove him wrong. Because any of us giving up right now is letting them win. Standard difficulty now. Let's see if you can do it. Is this, is this negotiating or is this leadership? Oh, worked out. <laughs> Uh, you see, you hear people, uh, start going, start cheering and they're like, yeah, he's right. Fuck them. And, you know, giving off random cheers and, and random and starts to actually lead them in a chant of fuck them. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, that's, what <laughs> uh, that's what you, pretty much everybody starts getting along with it and starts spirits start to rise a bit. So, um, okay. Um, y'all finish that out. Mel, you are led onto a few smaller ships that are outside. Um, that you see people branching off into three smaller ships and, uh, you're led to the middle one. Uh, Chad and Shayla are next to you. You're here to see him. We're going to take you. You're going to learn. You're going to lead. 
Yes, him. Are, are you suggesting that Benar is alive? Of course. That's absurd. Wouldn't he be like 5,000 years old? Older. Well, lead on then. <laughs> okay. Uh, you get on the ship and you take off and hit light speed. Uh, same with you guys. Uh, everything, everybody takes off. You get up and you head to the first coordinates that are listed that you were told about. Um, and when blow you blow up the base <laughs> and yep. blow up the base on the way out. Okay. Uh, you blow it up on the way out. Um, Just after that, make sure we got that note in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, we blew up the base on the way out. Yep. Um, you've got that. Ding, ding, ding. Um, all of a sudden, when you get there, you see a few other ships arrive. Uh, nothing huge, not you know any big, large frigates or anything. Um, they message you and is like, so where do we go from here? You're willing to continue with us on this crazy ride. These are the coordinates. Okay. Um, you get the coordinates. And you spade off. Uh, this trip will take you a couple of weeks after you've noticed these coordinates are inputted in and ready to go. And uh, is going to spend that time mostly meditating and delegating to his second that is Gareth. Oh, shit. <laughs> Gareth got a promotion. <laughs> That's scary. Okay. Um, Mel, it takes you about a week to get where you need to go. So, guys, while y'all are doing on this trip for two weeks, uh, think about what you want to do for those two weeks while I work on Mel. Um, and so if there's something you want to plan out, let me know. Um, so because you have about mm, two weeks to deal with to figure out what's going on. Mel, you take a week-long trip. Anything you want to do during this small venture of seven days, roughly? Um, Mel's going to create a little bit of space between herself and the, the knights. Um, spend her time in meditation. And uh, she's going to do a little bit of programming on her personal computing devices. See if she can't come up with a kind of a an algorithm to detect the, the sort of droid um, mental presence that infiltrated their base last time. You, future base. You, you go to take up your pad and start messing with it, and it's not turning on. She uh, asks one of the people who's with her if there's a reason why her computer devices might not be working on the ship here. Yes, the only thing that works here is the ship. Well. You you notice that no one here carries anything but a saber. There's no rifles. There's no computers. Even the areas that you're in, there's not even computered areas. There's no terminals, no nothing. It's all blank and pretty bare. Okay. Uh, Mel decides to instead meditate on the issue. Okay. Uh, 
can't program on a device, she'll program in her mind. Um, she quiets her space mentally. She, you know, builds a mind palace of various kind of locations and spaces, and then she compartmentalizes those ideas until she can kind of mentally workshop the code she's going to implement in uh, in her brain. Okay. Um, obviously not as effective as actually programming it on the computer, but uh, she begins to build the framework for inspiration that could eventually turn into that. Okay. Uh, during that time, like I said, it takes you about a week. Um, they offer you plenty of food and water and, you know, everything else. Uh, but you notice that nothing that they have is made from metal or anything but straight like everything's like the spoons, the cups, the bowls, everything's made from an organic material. Hmm. Is that true of their sabers as well? Their sabers are not. They are the only metal that they have anywhere on or near them. Okay. Uh, well, Mel, you know, respects the custom and uses their implements. She keeps her uh, metal equipment and devices to herself um, as to not disrespect the space. She doesn't ask any questions, but she makes a point to observe their cultural practices as closely as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, about the end of the week, they come up to you and says, um, we're almost there. You need to change your clothes. Oh? Yes. They hand you a small bag and go, Here. Mel examines the bag. <laughs> does it contain clothes? <laughs> it does. Okay. Um, it has... Everything has gone from being very machine-made to very handmade type stuff. Uh, it is all very rustic, very simple clothes uh even the boots are simple um Mel says if i leave my possessions on the ship can i be assured that i get them back you won't need them after today <sighs> it's a concerning prospect but i'll do what i can here um she changes out of her uh, armor and um, removes her belt and attachments. She puts the, the holocron she's carried with her and various other items that she has in a, a bag to the side. And then with a moment of space or privacy, she changes into the much simpler clothes. Uh, she hangs onto her lightsaber, though. Feeling like at least that practice seems to be appropriate here. Okay. Um, they sit there and they're like, after you are done, they escort you out, ship lands, and you're out in the middle of nothing. Just a large forest. Kind of like if you were to walk out in the Redwoods type thing. She'll escort you off and says, 
Go ahead. He'll find you. Very well. Mel begins to walk. Um, Create some distance between herself and the ship fairly quickly, but then she slows down her approach, um, kind of trying to enjoy the space, get a sense for what's going on. Um, you, you do that as soon as you get off and you start doing the hangar, you know, the, the back of the ship starts to close up and stuff, and you hear this, you won't need that, and you feel a tug and a rip from your body. what's pulled away from me your saber is gone <sighs> doors close That's ship takes off <laughs> well uh mel's a little bit more concerned than she was before <laughs> she uh she kind of feels around herself with the force a little bit um at least ensuring that she's still able to tap into her powers um tries to to kind of feel like the the life force moving between those things assume I can still do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You, you sit there and you kind of chill um, for a minute and you hear the last of the engine as it goes away. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Well, Mel is, uh, is definitely feeling a little on the defenseless side. Um, she's wearing some very simple robes and outfits. She's starting to feel like maybe this was less an obscure historical figures, religious order sent to save them and more of a Sith trap to <laughs> imprison her on an island full of trees. Um, so she, uh, she's holding herself together as best as possible, but she, she starts to kind of quietly wander. Um, she knows that the kind of hopelessness and despair and fear that she's feeling uh, are emotions that are likely to create a, a sort of cyclical pain for her. So she wards them off temporarily. Um, she's going to give this an honest uh, and faithful effort before she switches gears and starts trying to come up with a plan to get off this place. <laughs> Uh, so she's wandering around, just kind of trying to experience the trees and the space. But she's also quietly looking around her to see if there's anything that she could, like, turn into a device of use. Okay. <laughs> the, the necessary mechanical abilities to, uh, to do anything at all with nothing but redwood pieces are probably foreign to most people. Uh, but Mel, as a trained and incredible armorer, is considered to always have the right tools for the job. So even if she's whittling sticks she might be able to turn something into a serviceable uh, device. Of some sort. <laughs> it, could take, it could take years. Like it's, uh... Okay. Um, you do that. Um, guys, 
You're. I'm gonna. We're gonna stop right there for you, man. We're gonna jump over to the other guys. You're. Get on your trip. Um, morale ebbs and flows. Um, through the whole time, y'all are driving. Y'all are driving on this two-week journey. Um, and it ebbs and flows really good to really bad to really really good again. Um, and you notice that each time you get to a different stop along the path, more people join up with you. And your fleet is getting larger. Uh, on your third stop, you actually are joined by a large frigate. Um, the fourth and fifth, you're joined by a couple of other larger ships. Um, one of a uh, cruiser class that is armed to the teeth. And when I mean this is a cruiser class that was meant for holiday cruising it's been retrofitted with weapons very 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 rigged with weapons wasn't meant to be a uh, warship but it has been commandeered to be a warship um, and so your fleet has gotten much larger um, during this time Gand, you have received a call from your comrades wondering where their recent payments are. We have not received funds in quite some time. Aren't you guys supposed to be working on this too? No. We've cut ties with the Rebellion. We've lost too much money. <laughs> No, I meant our other enterprises. Why are they not being profitable? Because it's a lost cause. Every time we give a ship, we get nothing in return. Every time we give some money, we get nothing in return. We can't have everything being destroyed all the time. How many ships do you need? Well, it's not the ships we need. It's not that we need ships. We need money back. Let's say we could arrange something. As in? Do we know where the Sith store their money? No, we do not. <laughs> Let's find out. This might turn profitable anyway. <laughs> they've been taking all of our fucking money we should take some of theirs maybe all of it Garrett yeah, well. <laughs> get with these people on the other ships and see, where, see if anyone knows where the Sith banking is done all right I'll just, I, that's not just something you ask people, but sure, we'll try. We're going to plan a heist. <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I've been partying with some of those guys on the, the party ship that has guns. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I feel like I know a guy. 
who definitely would be up for a heist. Sounds good. Bring him over. To the party ship! <laughs> okay. We're gonna take their fucking money. <laughs> How do you plan on doing that? Gil walks up and goes, Money? <laughs> We're going to steal the Sith financial reserves. I could be of assistance. Let, let's just say this. Oh, I am. She's or You don't trust me any further than you can throw me. I don't trust you any further than I can throw either of you. We knew this going in. So, let's just say I, I have come into a windfall of ability, and now I'm going to make that profitable. All right. Better make it quick, because we need to be paid. I know. We all need to be paid. But your smuggling and your uh, black market would have been more profitable than they have been. Well, we can't keep taking a loss on these guys. It's no. not working. No, we can't. So we're going to fix that. Since this is the part that I'm in charge of, that's my problem. And Gand proceeds to hang up on them. Okay. What and Gand turns to Gilbop. I wish Malokia was here. My hours of meditation so far on the trip have allowed me to put together a really interesting puzzle. Unfortunately, it's not very profitable. But Turk has been playing me and Mel since we met him. Turk picked me, Mel, and Frizz to be agents for him. Mel and Frizz, untrained force users who would then owe him something. Me, a money-grubbing shyster of a gand who pretends to be Something he isn't, for the most part. Little, but behaves very professionally. He knew that I would take control of that group in combat situations. Because those two were unprepared. He brought us in. He showed us Korriban. Knowing full well the Sith were going to strike later. He then led us around by the nose for this Sith strike, proceeded to graciously give us his ship and A7 that he probably stayed in contact with while he was just hanging out with the Sith, chasing us down. He also gave us a hologram of himself so that he could continue to lead us around by the nose. 
then when he could see that through A7 that Frizz was ripe to bring to the dark side, he used my professionalism against me and had me leave someone behind when we really shouldn't have. Thusly facilitating the Inquisitor. If those Jedi, or whatever they are, the Knights, hadn't shown up when they did, then Mel, in her hopelessness, would probably have also taken a quick path to power. Then eliminating me is no problem, and he has two Sith apprentices that will help him gain power in their organization. So, now that I understand what his plan was all along, gotta figure out what his next step is. And while we're doing that, I think everyone could use to get paid. So that's why we're going to hit the Sith Financial Institution. Gilbot starts clapping. It sounds to me like he does not know that you are separated from Malikia. When you guys reunite, you should make sure that she does not take a leadership role. I think he plans on acquiring her in a, as a fruit, as you've said, such as Frizz, at a moment in which it would hurt you all the most. That makes the most sense. Uh, and so we will keep her out of leadership. But we still need her because she is a symbol. And symbols are important. So, Gail, gather up what other individuals you can. See if any of them can help you uh, rebuild Gilboy, if you haven't been working on that already. There, there's got to be people, mechanics, that can help you with that. I'm sorry for the temporary loss of Gilboy, but we, we definitely have enough resources right now that we can rebuild him. Better, stronger, faster. <laughs> uh, but we, we would definitely need some credits. So Gilboy would probably be very useful at robbing a bank. Hmm. Small, can get in through air vents, all kinds of good things like that. So we're going to both run this rebellion and turn a profit. <laughs> Gareth does not look amused. <laughs> He's well, gotta go ask her. Well, I'm I'm going to party, and like under the under the guise of assisting, <laughs> I'm not gonna not do what I said, but I'm definitely gonna do more than I said. <laughs> no, Gand Gand thoroughly expects you to not take this as seriously as he does. I would like to point out that Gilbot thinks that she saw through the window the name of that party ship, and she thinks it was Paradise City. 
was a strange dialect. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, okay, we're gonna come back to mail for a little bit. Y'all two, y'all could work, or y'all three, work up something of what y'all want to plan to do. If you want to like text each other or whatever, I don't care. Go ahead and try I'm to figure out. Go something. get my phone so I can be on the group chat. All right, um, and y'all can work on that while I talk to uh, Mel. Mel, you're walking through this forest, and it's eerily quiet. Nothing going on. Nothing happening. No creatures, no nothing. Well, that's unusual for a forest. Um, of course, yeah. there's no small trees. They're all huge, large trees. Yeah. Um, Mel's definitely concerned. Uh, but she's, she's trying not to let that emotion grow. Uh, She's nurturing instead her feelings of wonder at the incredibly large plants, um, having never been to a world that had trees this big before. You, you say the word plants, you now notice that there's nothing but trees. The ground is bare of all vegetation but the trees. Are trees not plants? But I'm talking about, you know, you don't see any grass or any sure. anything like that now that you mentioned okay. and, and, and you're looking <clears> around. Uh, yeah, Mel's, um, definitely a little taken aback by that, although, like, especially large trees can have a pretty significant rain footprint, so it's possible there's just, like, not room for anything else to grow here. Um, she's gonna see if she can walk toward, if there's an area where there's any kind of a clearing, or if this just sort of fairly even distribution of trees continues endlessly. It, how long are you gonna walk? <clears throat> Oh, she'll take an hour or two. She's patient. Okay. Uh, during that hour, you like walk by and you kind of like have to put your hand next to the tree to walk around it and stuff. And it says, in your head, you hear, easy little one. It's not that bad. It takes a moment to confirm that she's not going insane. Uh, just, just like a mental check. Like, uh, Am I crazy? If I was, <laughs> I probably wouldn't know if I was crazy. Uh, so it seems pragmatic to embrace a philosophy that I'm not. Assuming that I'm not crazy, did that tree just talk to me? And she's just going to kind of pause walking for a moment and uh, try to collect herself a little bit. And then she'll say out loud, but she'll try to think it very clearly as well in case a being can hear her. Uh, I, I'm sorry, uh, who are you? you? You touch the tree again, and it's like, you know who I am. You're at least studious enough to know what and who I am based on what they've told you. Uh, I've certainly read and heard of Force Spirits that are connected to the life that exists around all of the world. And it's still here. She, uh, she presses her hand directly against the tree and doesn't relinquish it. Uh, and she <clears throat> takes a second and says, um, are you... Are you Oud Banar? 
We are. She takes her hand off of the tree and she walks a few more paces and then she puts her hand on a different tree. Um, does she sense the same connection to yes. the being? Yes. Takes a couple more steps forward, puts her hand in another tree, just kind of repeats this process a few times so that she gets a sense not just of communicating with one being, but kind of communicating with a, a complicated collective um, just sort of imparting her thoughts and her feelings to each of them in turn, taking her time to kind of understand what she's connecting with. After she's done that for a few moments, she says, uh, again, holding her hand against the tree. Why have you asked for me here? Because you are needed. The force needs you and you need the force. So take your trip, go to the center of the forest, find the home, and get some rest. We have much to work on tomorrow. Milm nods, a little uncomfortable with the degree <laughs> to which her autonomy has been uh, sacrificed in favor of serving the, the greater world. Um, she's also a bit overwhelmed. She's personally very invested in this notion of this rebellion and in helping these people, preventing the Sith from taking over the galaxy and sort of freeing a world in which Jedi can train and live. But the needs and wants of a 5,000 or more year old being who's become a kind of forest collective are maybe good and maybe in the interests of what's right, but far more cosmic than anything she's ever dealt with before. So she sort of, she marches toward whatever space feels like the center of the forest occasionally maybe reaching out that hand to touch a, a tree and feel that connection again and make sure she's going in the right direction. It, but um, it takes you about a good three hours to do that. But when you, you, you notice it as soon as you get in to the center, because there is a house built out of growing tree. Yeah. She's still not super comfortable with the whole situation. <laughs> uh, feels a bit worried, mostly that, you know, at the end of whatever process is going on here, she's not going to care enough to help her friends anymore. And uh, that fills her, fills her with some doubts about the path that she's on. But okay. she, uh, um, she still enters the house. Okay. Uh, give me one second. All right. Um, you find that this is a small little like one room hut, you know, not bigger than, you know, 20 by 30, roughly very sparse with stuff. Um, but a small stream is near outside the back of it. You go up and you reach up to, you know, kind of open the door, you know, type thing. And he's like, rest, you're going to need it. Tomorrow we start. And you kind of look around a bit and you notice a familiar face sitting on the edge of the bed. And he's like, I eventually I knew he would get you. And you see your little uh, bat friend there. 
Mel uh, sort of smiles, a sense of kind of profound relief and pleasure at seeing him. And wordlessly, she wanders to the side of the bed, um, glances down at him, and after a moment, sits on the bed next to him and uh, just kind of like lets her mind rest. Um, She says, uh, how did you come to be here? I've always been here. This is where I go. This is where it all started. Well, I'm afraid and I'm nervous, but I imagine those emotions are pretty normal now, so I'm not letting them control me. I think I'm going to listen to the advice and get some rest. Very wise of you. All right, we're going to cut. Guys, I know I said this is going to be a short one, and it's because uh, I'm going to talk to you about off-air where we're going to go from here. Um, and I, like I said, this is just a build-up. So for everybody that's listening, sorry if it's too really short for y'all today. Um, this was a build-up based on the previous things that went on. Um, I need to talk with them off-air so they can figure out what they're going to do so it's not a story-breaking for y'all. Um, and then, like I said, I know it's probably about 30 minutes shorter than normal, but I apologize. Uh, thanks for listening. We will be back either next week or the week after, but don't worry. You'll get to hear more. Bye, bye, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. bye.